three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter, here. Hope you guys are having a great day. So, uh, I'm reviewing this the, the new film, and I'm uh, reviewing the new film, The Tax Collector, which is written and directed by David Ayer. Of course, you guys are very familiar with David Ayer. In case you're not, let me go down the list. He, of course, did Bright, uh, wrote Fury with uh, Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf, which I think is a very underrated movie, actually. I enjoy Fury quite a bit. Uh, he also did Sabotage with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Joe Magla, blah, 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 that uh, wasn't very good, but, you know, not every movie can be hit. Uh, he did End of Watch back in 2012, which I adore. Um, and, of course, the big one, the Oscar-winning Training Day. So... Here's the thing about David Ayer. I know a lot of people, of course, always want to talk about, you know, Training Day, because why wouldn't you? But, uh, also Harsh Times, because I actually enjoy Harsh Times. But he also did Street Kings, which, while I enjoy it, ironically, is a not, is not a good film. Uh, of course, I mentioned End of Watch and Fury and Sabotage. But the last thing he, or probably one of the last big-scale things he did was Suicide Squad back in 2016. I have made no qualms about my genuine disdain for that film. I think it is an incredibly, incredible wasted opportunity. And then, of course, he did Bright, which I wasn't crazy about. So, we when we get to The Tax Collector, the problem is with this movie, or one of the problems, is that uh, Bobby Soto, who plays David, I gotta be honest with you guys, I... I don't want to put this all on him because I, I guess he's on or was on uh, uh, Narcos Mexico. I guess he was good on there from what I've heard. <sighs> Bobby Soto is not set up for success in this. He has a great look, and I think with the right script, he could genuinely be something. But this is just not the script for him to be in. And I'm going to get to David Ayer here in a second, but... Uh, Bobby Soto plays David. He is a, uh, quote, tax collector. So the film does a really bad job of explaining this. So uh, Bobby Soto's David and Shia LaBeouf's Creeper. Uh, by the way, the fact that David Ayer wrote Bobby Soto's name to be David, I was just like, what a, what a goon. Really? You couldn't think of any other name to give him except for David? Anyways, but David is a tax collector. He works with Creeper, Shia LaBeouf, and they go around the town taxing uh, all the local gangs. I, I, I want to say, say there's like uh, 400 gangs in L.A., something like that, and they're taxing all of them. I believe they're taxing them 30%, if memory serves uh, correctly. He is married to Alexis, who's played by Cynthia uh, Car- uh, Carmona, who you have seen before in uh, Greenhouse Academy or East, uh, East Los High, which was on, uh, I want to say, Freeform. But the thing about this movie is that, and I know a lot of people are going to do this, so I almost want to address it just out, out the gate. 
so many people are going to point to the fact that he, you know, that David Ayer cast, cast, you know, Mexican Latino actors in this and how he should be praised for that. At some point, though, that can't be enough. They have to also be in a great film or just a fucking good film. And the problem is this movie in particular, it felt like David Ayer was trying to replicate Training Day but that he didn't want to put in the work that comes with creating something like Training A. This felt like he had an outline, a very rough outline, and as long as he could get to the end of the film, that's really all he cared about. It's not about the journey uh, with this film. And I know a lot of people are going to bring up Shia LaBeouf, so I, I, I got to address this right now. So as someone... Who was actually a fan of Shia LaBeouf? He, uh, between Peter Butter, Falcon, and Honey Boy, uh, just in the last year, two of my favorite films of last year, they didn't crack my top 10, but Shia has proven to be a hell of an actor. Um, to a point that I think people kind of sleep on him when they really shouldn't. Um, I know people kind of say he's weird or eccentric, whatever, but Shia, like I said, Shia's proven to be a great actor when he's given the right script. And. What's frustrating about this is that Creeper is given the most stereotypical uh, shit to uh, shit to say. He he even says at a point, um, you know, if your stack is short, rob a bank, sell your sister's pussy. There's no excuse. And I remember thinking that's a little vulgar. Like even for, <laughs> even for collecting money, it's just like you need to go that extra extreme and. Shia, God bless him, like I said, even with some of the dumb, shitty dialogue he's given, he does have this screen presence that Bobby Soto just doesn't. And the film itself is marketing itself very much like Shia is in this a lot. And without spoiling anything, if you really think Shia is the star of this movie, you're going to be extremely disappointed because, uh, yeah, he's not in it nearly as much as uh, uh, as you think he's going to be, um, I there is this one scene I want to say Creeper is talking to. I want to say a local gang where he talks about, uh, to one of the local gangs. He goes, you know, when you're with when you're with us, nobody will fuck with you. And while Shy is uh, while Shy is script or the lines he's being given are just not great to put it mildly. Shia is such a great actor; he's able to elevate. What I think is just dog shit dialogue most of the time into something where you go, oh, he's saying that with conviction. And that goes a long way in this film. And Shia is really one of the few people who is saying anything <coughs> with conviction. Um, in particular, outside of Shia, I got to give props to George Lopez, who plays uh, George Lopez plays Uncle Lewis. And Uncle Lewis. George Lopez, he's a guy, it seems like he does a lot more voice work um, than uh, actual, you know, acting. Uh, the last thing I remember seeing him in was, oh god, as far as a, a human role, uh, I want to say maybe this, The Spy Next Door. I know he's been in stuff uh, outside of that, but I'm really kind of sitting here racking my brain. I, I can't think of another or a recent film I've seen him in, but... I, I gotta give George Lopez credit here. He spoke with conviction. There's this point where he's talking to David and is telling him, look, you know, you think you're bad, but you're not that bad. And he talks, you know, says 
and I'm paraphrasing lying that, you know, if you weren't my nephew, I'd be kicking the shit out of you right now. And when George Lopez says, says it, I went, oh, okay, I'm actually slightly concerned uh, for David right now. The other guy in this is, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher this, sorry, uh, Conejo, who's played by Jose Conejo Martin, who I guess went to prison uh, and was actually in prison, I want to say, for a decade. And it's it's crazy the amount of genuine intensity that he uh, that he brings to this film. So even though he's incredibly, and I cannot express this enough, incredibly underwritten, he does have this genuinely scary presence, which just makes me more frustrated with the fucking film in general because you go, you have this guy who's so creepy. He talks about how he's going to kill David's family, kill his wife, kill his kids. And while I didn't care at all about David's wife and kids, you go, oh, this guy is not fucking around. He will take everything from you. And so I, there is something to be said about that. But this whole film in particular just feels like if there's a good rewrite if there's just a, if there's just someone putting in the time to make these characters feel like they're not even two-dimensional characters like not even three-dimensional but fucking two-dimensional characters everyone in this film it feels like a tyler perry film there's even this point where alexis is in bed with david and david asks her you know why are you with me why did you give me a chance and alexis talks about how her dad used to get drunk and beat her and that you know david was her her way out that he never scared her and it comes across and rings so incredibly hollow it's like wow really that's all it took there's never it never feels like there's love between david and alexis it's it's really frustrating because they have i believe two uh two kids two kids together and you would think about Considering they've built this family, you know, this legacy, as it were, f uh, with each other, that there'd be a little more, I don't know, conviction in what she's saying. And there's really not. There's no chemistry between the two of them. It really felt like I was watching um, Amber Heard and Jason Momoa in Aquaman again, it, uh, but even worse for me in this aspect. Because David himself, and, and this is something that, uh, David Ayer does a lot. There's always these people who lean on religion as a way to justify their misdeeds. And it's not misdeeds like, oh, I jaywalked, I sinned. It's more like, oh, I'm killing people on a daily basis and I don't care because I'm close to God. And the movie never stops David or any of these gangsters to call them out on that bullshit. And... That that that's all. That's really becoming a thing that Ayer's doing, where it's becoming more of a fetish than a fetish than anything. It's such a trope with him at this point. The fact that oh, this person's so dark and twisted, but they pray at the end of the day, so everything's okay. And the film, the way it's written, it really almost makes you want to feel bad for David. And the problem is, there's no point. I felt bad for him because he's doing such despicable things. There's uh, there's a scene, and it's one of the few scenes for me, maybe the only scene actually, that David felt like a genuine threat, felt intimidating. There's a point where him and 
him and Creeper, they're at this guy's house doing their tax collecting, you know, their tax collecting business, and they break in this guy's house, and they have him at gunpoint, and they're asking him, you know, why's your stack low, why's your stack low, and this guy goes, you know, my, my little girl has leukemia, and that scene in particular, it's very tense because you go, oh, is he full of shit, or is he actually serious, and they interrogate him about it, and I thought that scene in particular, it's one of the few scenes Bobby Soda really showed me something, I went, okay, and Shia LaBeouf is excellent in that scene, I think that's the best scene Shia actually has, there's a couple, oh, that, the, the other character I want to shout out, she's not in it a lot, uh, her name is, uh, uh Cheyenne Ray Hernandez, she plays, uh, Gata, or Gata, I can't remember how you say it, and she's very similar to Ruby Rose in John Wick Chapter 2. She's just this presence. She doesn't talk a lot. But when I saw her, I first off went, oh my god, you're gorgeous. Secondly, I thought, oh, you're actually intimidating. And I actually am intrigued by you, which is how I should be feeling about my main, char or main character, David. And I'm not. So the fact that she was so had such a presence and David didn't. I think it just speaks even more to David Ayer's inability to actually write a great script here. Um, I really don't have much else to say because everything else is kind of spoilery. I will say the last kind of big action scene. There are a couple good moments of gore in the last third act that I went, oh, okay, that that's pretty cool. Um, and Shia LaBeouf, if he really did get that tattoo, because... I can't find confirmation of that, that big giant chest tattoo that he got. It's really kind of the same thing, the same comparison I'd make with Paul Rudd and being in the first Ant-Man film, because, you know, you see Paul Rudd in the trailer and he's all cut and ripped, but that scene's only 10 seconds. You don't get a shirtless scene with Creeper to even see the tattoos, so my thought was, why the fuck do you even have Shia do that? Or if you're Shia, why do you do that if he actually did get the tattoo? And the last thing I'll say about Creeper, he comes across very much like a stereotype. He doesn't feel like a white boy who grew up in the culture. It really feels like he's mimicking the culture, even to the point where he's talking like this essay and he's doing stuff like that. And I'm sitting there watching the movie going, why have him talk like that? Like, it, it, feels, very, it feels very ingenuine and it's very uncomfortable to watch at points, even when Shia is being so great in the film. Um, I was really quite pissed off by the time I got to the end of this, because the movie has the nerve to try to set up a potential sequel, which I went, I don't want that at all. <coughs> and I'll be the first to say, if if this is what the air cut's going to be like, because I, I think we are getting an air cut announcement at DC's fandom here in a couple weeks, if this is what's going to be like, then help, Lord help us. This is going to be uh, a bad couple of air films in a row. Um, I, I really didn't like this. The, the more I kind of sit back and think about it, the more I was just irritated by this film's lack of give a fuck and the fact that it had some damn good pieces involved and it just wastes them. So, yeah, I'm going to give this a... I'm going to give this an F... Like, I, I won't give it a go fuck yourself just because there were a couple things I did enjoy, but this is an F overall. This will probably be on my worst stuff list for films of the year. Um, this really could have been something, even just a cheesy, you know, gangster drama, and it couldn't even give me that. So, 
yeah, this is an F, but uh, everybody, uh, the tax collector, have you seen it? Let us know what you thought in the comments below. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook at The Real Pineapple. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at JHunterRealPineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at NearmanTheFirst. And you can follow Colin on Twitter at The Real, that's R-E-E-L, O'Neill. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify, and uh, tune in at The Real Pineapple. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll have reviews up this week for Central Park Season 1, as well as The Umbrella Academy Season 1, as well as a review for uh, The Last Dance, which I'm really excited to review that with Scott because I've got a lot to say about that. But thank you so much for your support, everyone. We love you all. Please stay safe out there. Wear a mask, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.